It's been a long uh, journey, you know, to five episodes. This is a really big occasion. Uh-huh. We want to thank all you Patreons for supporting us. <laughs> to make it clear, we do not have a Patreon at, no. at the moment. At, 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 at the time of this recording, we do not have a Patreon, nor do we have plans to set up one. But maybe we do at some point in the future. Who knows? You can can that audio, though, for when one day we get to like 100, you know, when we do have Patreons. You know what? Just just go ahead and Google Good Games Patreon to, just to see if it exists. Because who knows? Maybe it, it will at some point in the future. It probably yeah. won't. <laughs> probably won't. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Good Games Podcast. I'm James. I'm Leo. Welcome to number five. Yeah. How was your long weekend? Uh, it was surprisingly uneventful okay okay actually we had this conversation me and tan talked about how we feel like we're getting a lot older now and stuff because everyone's sharing on social media about you know traveling to the beach or the lake or doing whatever cool stuff outside we just stayed inside like all the weekend she had to work on her uh, business from home and I just, you know, I helped out doing some coding for her online and just sat inside I, most of the time. I traveled from my couch to my computer desk. <laughs> That's quite a journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We uh, we did uh, uh, Star Wars. Um, God, not Star Wars weekends. What do they call it? Star Wars Celebration at uh, mm-hmm. Disney. Uh, All right. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a Star Wars event, which they charge extra money for because it's Star Wars. But I don't know. It was cool, I guess. Uh, they allow you to, like, dress up in dumb Star Wars costumes. So, of course, I had to go in my next generation Star Trek uniform, Starfleet of uniform. Yes. Of course. Uh, of course. Just to troll everyone, uh, which we got uh, we got a lot of good compliments on that. Uh, we, uh, we did run into uh, Warwick Davis, um, who is... Uh, known for playing uh, Wicket in Return of the Jedi, and he has a couple other roles now. He is the voice of Rook in Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon, and he had a cameo in the Han Solo movie, which we also saw the Han Solo movie over the weekend. Did you see it? I have not seen that. Uh, it, how was it? It is also just fine. It's fine. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not It's not good, and it's not a total disaster. It's, it's, fine. it's that's, fine. That's about what I figured it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- don't rush out and see it. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I feel like just getting old, man. Like, mm-hmm. this is my last year of my 20s. I'm about halfway through already. Oh, man. And, um, you know, I made a realization recently. Uh, mm-hmm. I was telling people at work about this. Like, how do I, how I know that I'm getting older is is the strangest way, but, like, I used so I used to hear people say all the time like oh you know I can't do that anymore because I'm older now or whatever like I would mm-hmm. be like eating a burger or something and they'd be like oh I can't eat that shit anymore uh, you know I'm old I'm past thirty and I was just like ah eh, you know whatever you know I'm let future Leo worry about that I'm making conscious decisions now to not eat certain foods Whoa. strictly because of the fact that I know I'm going to sleep bad. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know, you know? what you mean. Yeah, I'm yeah, just gonna yeah. be uncomfortable all night. I'm I like, don't want that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna go to bed in like an hour or two. Like, am I yeah. really gonna eat this giant thing of like ribs and like yeah. a bunch of? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like five years Chicken ago, wings. I would be like, oh, I've got a freaking iron stomach. Whatever. Yeah, I'll eat, yeah. Who cares? I'll, I'll eat. I'll eat, eat all of this. this. Yeah, and now this. and I'll wake up at two in the morning and eat some more. Whatever. Yeah, and now it's like. Ah man, like this is like a, it's so weird. I'm like evolving. I'm this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to eat this because in eight hours I'm going to go to sleep and I'm not going to be done digesting. So yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yes, it's, that it's that is terrible, a thing. Man. That's a yeah, thing. That's a real thing. I, I I saw a quote from someone on on my Facebook wall that said, "Being thirty is just having heartburn for the rest of your life." Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep yep in in uh, uh i guess less depressing news um dark souls remastered uh recently came out 
and I think that is going to be our main topic today. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about that experience. Let's let's do it. Because a lot of people out there, they, they don't. Surprisingly, there's a lot of people out there who don't know about Dark Souls. Get out of here! What yeah. rock are they living under? I don't know, man. Some people are just stuck in you know 1999 and they stop playing video games. And we got to educate the people, man. All right, well let's let's educate the people. So, um, Demon Souls and Dark Souls kind of mash together a bunch of different um, genres. You have, I I think it mash. Well, obviously you have your action game stuff, but there's also elements of like fighting games because. Um, all of your actions have like startup frames, recovery frames, like what what interrupts what, and and it's very um, it's very deliberate, and you really have to like think about your actions because once you start one, you're committed to it, like the same way in like a fighting game. But it's got, also got all these RPG elements. You can level your character up, you can make them stronger, you can um, you know get new weapons and armor, you can level up those weapons and armor, make them stronger. So um, it's kind of a, a mishmash of all of these different game mechanics, uh, but also it is very punishing. It is a very hard game, uh, and it also has um, a really interesting implementation of um, online play. So when you're uh, exploring the world of Dark Souls, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of traps. There'll be like booby traps. Maybe there'll be like a bear trap or something that your guy gets snared in. Like, oh man, uh, I can't believe there's bear traps all over this room. Or like maybe there's like a table and like there's an enemy that's hiding behind the table or hiding behind the door or something like that. Mm-hmm. What what players online can do is they can leave like messages that are scrawled like in the floor of the game, like glowing messages that permeate to different players. So like if you're on a server and somebody leaves a message, that message is viewable, then viewable by any other player. So you can leave messages like, uh, Hey, watch out trap ahead or like enemy approaching from, you know, and you leave the note by the door, like, Hey, there's an enemy here. Like beware. So, um, the, it was it was just a very interesting implementation of of online play in a way I hadn't seen before. You can leave like helpful messages or 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 trolling messages, you know, like hey, there's a secret ahead, and then just leave it next to a wall, and then players will just drive themselves crazy trying to figure out where the secret is that doesn't actually exist. Yeah, that, uh, that's what made it really unique because I think the key thing to remember is that anything can kill you really really fast in this game. Mm-hmm. Like the like, death feels very important. Like if you are kind of traversing an area that you haven't um, safely found, like a safe haven for, if you die there, you're gonna you're you're gonna be upset. So when you see these messages from people that say like "trap ahead" and you don't know if they're trolling or if they're being serious, it adds. This game is just very stressful. <laughs> that's that's how I would describe it. But that multiplayer aspect added like a layer of stress and sometimes humor when you know you found out oh they're just joking around or just trolling or whatever you know i think the other interesting thing it does is the way it implements the rpg mechanics so like in most rpgs you get like experience points and after you get you know a certain number of experience points your character levels up and becomes stronger right Right. and dark souls you get uh souls which are the equivalent of experience points but you can only use your souls to level up when you're at a safe point, which in Dark Souls are called bonfires. So you can only spend those souls uh, when you've reached a safe point, which in the first Dark Souls, those bonfires are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, like that seems like uh, it, it, it kind of sucks, right? But the trade-off that Dark Souls makes is every time you die, you drop all of your souls... And if you can make it back to where you died last, you can pick up all your souls, all your experience points, uh, and and still get to keep them as long as you don't die again on the way there. Keeping in uh, mind that every time you respawn at your bonfire, all of the enemies that you killed respawn as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it it, it kind of creates an interesting like a uh, risk reward sort of thing when you're exploring a new area and you have a whole lot of souls built up. You're like, oh man, do I want to keep pressing on into the unknown even though I have a whole lot of experience, 
or do I want to play it safe, double back, level up, but knowing that if I do that, I'm going to have to fight my way all the way back to where I am now. So stressful. It's it's stressing me out just thinking about it right now. <laughs> I love it. I can't tell you how many times, how many times you just saw a naked Leo running through a crowd of enemies trying to get to his body that he's you know dropped all his souls have to pick uh-huh. him back up just to get back to the bonfire and like i'm getting my souls damn it you know so now what what are your thoughts on this game as a whole what, is, what has been your experience with dark souls what's your relationship with this game you know it's a little bit love hate okay. i understand i understand why the game is so loved i generally like it um but it just it really stresses me out. I can't play the game for long periods of time. I just can't. I've mm-hmm. never I've never beaten a single Dark Souls, a single Oh, one. okay. Yeah. I got pretty far in the first one, mm-hmm. maybe like second half of the game. Oh, and, wow. And that's it. The second one, I got far enough to uh to learn all the memes about the sun. Well, that's more in the first one. Oh, was that the first one? Ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Who knows, man? I you know the the point is like I, I love you know you know me I love swords and I love knights and stuff so yeah I, I love the uh, fighting I love the RPG concept um, and I do love that it's difficult it's just they do it so well that I just get so much adrenaline I I, just, I can't handle it I, I can't play through these games for more than a few hours it is it is really stressful um, I will let, say let me... I will say this the greatest the greatest feeling in these games and, and they've done this better than I think most games ever have uh-huh. it is when you get into these boss fights. Uh huh. I mean, you work so hard to get a freaking, you know, to, to, to defeat a boss, which they stay dead, which is good. And then, you know, it could take try after try after try. It's so difficult. And then when you, when you finally kill a boss, like that feeling is I don't think there's anything else that matches it. It's unparalleled. It, yeah. Like the accomplishment you feel in Dark Souls, I've yeah. never felt that. Like not even close from any other game. It's right. just like you did the – because, okay, <laughs> the first time you encounter a boss in Dark Souls, right, that like learning experience, the first time you encounter a boss, like you're like running up. You're like, okay, what does this boss do? And then he just sticks out some like be at like he just stomps your face in and you just die and you're like, oh no! Yeah. And then like you just keep doing that over and over again. And like the first part of a boss encounter, you're like, this is impossible. This is absolutely impossible. I have no idea how am I ever going to do this. And then when you finally like thirty tries later, when you pull it off, you're like, yes, I am the man. Like I am on top of a mountain. Like I am untouchable. I am the best Dark Souls player. Like that feeling is so good. I know. See, but I just can't handle all those highs and lows, man. My <laughs> my heart can't take it. You know, so, I I think it's funny how there's all there's always that one try. Like you've died eight times trying to kill this boss. You've learned all of his you know attacks and his patterns, and you mm-hmm. learn how to use the environment to your advantage. And then you've got him like you know just a sliver of health and then he busts out this new move that you haven't seen like all of the other iterations of and kills you in like one in like one hit you know it's just it's good but i mean uh. yeah yeah this game uh also dark souls just loves to troll you loves to punish you so like one of the one of if you play the first dark souls one of the first bosses that is basically the gatekeeper to the rest of the game it, it it is what separates the people that are never going to beat dark souls from the people that will probably beat dark souls and that is the 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 two gargoyles on on top of the church the bell gargoyles oh yeah um, i beat those guys because what happens is you're you, you know you go through that whole thing you you're fighting the gargoyles you're learning the patterns you know he he throws out some moves he can knock you off the off the church in one hit you're just dead you're done uh so you're dealing with that you're getting him down you've almost killed him and then another gargoyle comes (laughs) and you're fighting two of them at the same time uh (laughs) that that is like the perfect example of dark souls just giving you the middle finger like oh yeah yeah you think you're close you think you're close here's you know we're gonna make it doubly hard now Hmm. um you know for some reason i remember that fight um specifically because was there like some sort of mechanic in the game? I'm trying to remember now. 
Wasn't there like where you can have like a heroes or something like go with you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing the online play um, does that's really interesting. So you can summon other players to come help you fight a boss if you're if you're getting stuck and you're you know whatever if you need some help with a boss or a particular level you can bring in some more online players and you can play the game co-op but in order to do that you have to um use a uh an item that has um it's sort of hard to find and it's in a limited quantity um and once you use this item the game puts you in a state, which I think the first one, uh, all three of them have different. Uh, the first one, I think it's you're either you're undead or you're human, I think, or you're yeah. hollow or you're human. I can't yeah. remember the terminology. All the games use different terminology. But um, so once you're human, you can summon in co-op people to ha- come help fight you. But you're also, while you're human, you're also susceptible to hostile invasions from other players that want to play PvP against you and want to kill you. Um, so it's, it's again, it's that risk-reward thing. Like, okay, maybe I can summon in this guy and he can help me get through part of the level, but like, oh man, the, I've just opened the floodgates now and any other online player can come in and start wrecking, wrecking me. Like, And this game is already hard enough, you know? Uh, I really liked that. I, I liked I liked how Dark Souls handles the online play a lot. I feel like the main theme in Dark Souls in general is, um, like you said, like risk reward, risk, risk mm-hmm. versus reward, yin and yang, and they they just this concept of give and take is is pushed really heavily throughout throughout the game, and you know you can do this, but this is a downside, and it's a risk that you have to take, and they, they do that very well. They do. They do. So I wanted to ask you, especially as someone who's like really interested in like we've talked about knights and swords and medieval, whatever, like Dark Souls is absolutely all about that theme. Yeah. But the story in Dark Souls is oh. like you got to go searching for that story. It, the story is found only in like item descriptions and in like uh, so like either in the environment or in item descriptions or in like one-off lines that NPCs will have. What did you think about the story and like the world building of Dark Souls? You know, just like how it's a, you know, a a game that, that kind of plays both sides of things and and give and take. I'm Mm -hmm. the same way as I felt about the game overall with the story. Like I kind of love it, but kind of hate it at the same time. Like, all right. What what felt really cool about the story was wanting to know more. I had this feeling of, yeah. you know, I'd get little tidbits of information and I'd be like, "Oh, that sounds interesting. I'd like to know more about that." Mm-hmm. But then I wouldn't freaking know. I wouldn't get any information about it for hours and hours of play. So that frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I it's like I like the world. I like the story that it's hiding from me (laughs) it's kind of confusing it's a conflicted feeling yeah i i absolutely love it it's one of the very few times that i've gone like oh my god this world and this lore is so interesting like i opened up like wikipedia articles and just read everything about every location and every character like i because the game is so sparing you have to go do your research like outside of the game yeah 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 yeah. it's the game is so sparing on details that it made me want to like go out and like, like I'm telling you, I read Wikipedia articles. I read like, I watched like YouTube theory, like, Oh, oh yeah. I think this character is related to this character and he backstabbed this character. I'm like, yeah, okay. I think I buy that. Like, all right. Which is, which is cool that the, like the story is that deep, I guess, or, or that complex, but it's weird that you don't really get it through the game itself like i didn't really get much story from the game i got a little bit of environment a little bit of you know tidbits of info but then i spent hours watching videos on youtube about the story and loved it so um weird because like the story of dark souls reads like a book where like somebody went through and just tore out like 90 percent of the pages (laughs) <laughs> which yeah. which you which you think would be terrible but like it allows you as the player to like fill in the gaps with your imagination with your own theories 
Or if you like really want to go crazy, you can get online, open up a wiki article, watch some YouTube videos, whatever. I don't know. I loved the way the story is handled in Dark Souls. Well, and it works as motivation for the player to want to continue the the game and try to get more, you know, small tidbits of info, you know, Mm -hmm. play hours and hours of this game just to find out what the heck the bells do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and on that topic, I wanted to ask you something uh, a little slightly more controversial uh, because I think Dark Souls and um, a couple of other modern games like especially Minecraft and like Monster Hunter have basically just become known or, or it has become known that when you're playing these games, you need to have a second tablet or computer or cell phone or something open with your browser and a Wikipedia page opened for these games, right? Because it's the only way you're going to figure out the recipes in Minecraft. Or I haven't played Minecraft in so long. I don't know if the recipes are now baked into the game. But original Minecraft, you had to look up all these recipes. Monster Hunter, you have to figure out all... It's the same sort of thing as Dark Souls. You have to figure out how all these weapons work, all of the stats in Dark Souls work. Because the first time you leveled up, and this was one of the barriers for me... The first time you level up and you're just confronted with this giant spreadsheet of like stats and numbers, and you're like, I don't know what any of these things mean. Uh, what do you think about the seemingly intentional decision to offload a lot of that stuff to like a Wikipedia page? I think the game is difficult enough without doing that. Like, uh huh. I- you know, we had this conversation a little bit when we talked about PUBG last time. Mm-hmm. With Dark Souls, I feel like they did it on purpose. They they kind of want the game just to be extra difficult and have the player have the player, you know, either spend a lot of time researching through play or you know communicating with other players outside of the game. I think that's what they want out of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm sort of on board with you there because that was one of the big barriers for me was because like the way I play games is I have to understand all of the like systems and mechanics that uh, that are going on underneath the hood. Uh, And I mean, Dark Souls on the surface level just looks like, you know, a very simple action game, a very simple fighting game, whatever you you swing your sword, you block the other guy, whatever. But underneath the surface, there's all these like tons of mechanics that go into like damage calculation and whether or not your guy gets staggered when he gets hit with the poise stat. There's your equipment load is dependent on like how much uh, stamina you have. So there's like all these just tons of uh, calculations that are going on underneath the hood. And the first game they got, I mean, as the series progressed, they got slightly better at this. But the first game doesn't explain any of this to you. It, it's, no, it's, it, yeah, it's very clear that this game was made in the age of the internet, uh, where you know the most dedicated players are just going to compile all this information in a database, and then anyone can just go reference that database. But I, I, I kind of wish that. I mean, this might sound blasphemous, but. As far as the like systems and mechanics go, I wish Dark Souls would would hold your hand a little bit more at the beginning and guide you in. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would take that much away from the game for them to tell you how the stats work. You know, I don't know the pros and cons of like a basic strategy. You know, they don't have to tell you everything, but mm-hmm. just you know, just give you a little bit more info in the beginning, and then leave some things to be discovered. Yeah, because that was my so my experience with this game. The first time I played it, uh, the first time I played it, I mean, the first two times I played it, I bounced off of this game hard. Like the first time I played it, I just died a whole lot. And I was like, okay, this game has a reputation for being very hard. Like, I guess this is just too hard for me. Like, I'm I'm just not gonna get it. The second time I played it, I think I got to the um, bell gargoyles and I just got stuck on that boss and I was dying a whole bunch. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't grok the giant spreadsheet of numbers and statistics. And I was trying to read, like, a Wikipedia article explaining, but I just, like, nope, bounced off of it again. But, like, the conversation and, like, the hype around this game has been, like, so persistent. Uh, I was like, you know what, I need to give this game a third try. And, like... The thing that made it click for me is when I finally understood all of those systems. Like when I finally learned, okay, like this is how the poise stat works. This is how equipment 
load works. This is how the weapon scaling works. It either scales with strength or with stamina. Like once I understood all that stuff, I was able to be like, okay, this is like, it's like an action RPG. I've played these before. Like it, it reminded me a whole lot of um, um, one of my favorite games, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, especially with the like amount of like backtracking that you have to do to like understand all of the, like the level layout and the world geometry and stuff. Because, um, God, the level design in Dark Souls is so good. Um, but th- the way it works is the levels, the worlds kind of loop back in on themselves. So you end up having, you have to um, commit a lot of the locations um, that you're traversing to memory. Because you end up going through them so many different times. And you need to get from like one area to another. And you're like, okay, what's the fastest way to do that? Like, okay, if I go like through the Valley of the Drakes, I know that there's a shortcut to get to Blight Town. Like, that's the fastest way to get there from here. So like you, there is no map in Dark Souls. Like, it's just all in your head. Um, And I love that the level design is so good that you can memorize this huge, huge world. Um, and just like hold that all in your head and and really think about like, okay, I need to be here. How do I get there? Yes, here's the path. And just do that in your head. It's it's very, very satisfying. That's another thing that that game does really well. I think it works really well because each like section of the of the world has a unique feel and look. So it's very easy as a player to memorize each individual place kind of. And you just mm-hmm. have to like kind of figure out how to how to get from place to place. There's different paths to get from place to place, but they, they do a good job of not making it the same, you know, dull, uh, dark, like corridor or whatever over and over. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the, the environments are really really varied and uh, all equally and surprisingly hostile in different ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very good. Like the the first areas are all about zombies, and then you get like these knights that have big shields, and you have to figure out how to deal with their shields. And then you go to like uh, like oh god, what Darkroot Garden is all about these like plant monsters that deal poison attacks, and then Blight Town is like the whole environment is just against you. Like everything poisons you. You're basically always poisoned, and you're just in this muck, and you're moving really slow. You have to figure out how to deal with that. Then there's a whole world that where you just play in darkness. So you either have to sacrifice a second weapon or a shield. You have to equip a torch in your second hand, or if you're a mage, you have to figure out how to allocate your magic such that you can cast a light spell. It, it all of the environments are very um different and varied and all incorporate some sort of like problem solving element to them like oh god like how am i going to deal with this monster how am i going to deal with these traps how am i going to deal with this environment like later on in the game um sense fortress is basically just a fun house of ridiculous traps uh and it's less about the enemies and more like oh god what what stupid trap is waiting for me around the next corner like i don't know it's so good. God, I love that game. Um, I can I can talk about this. I can talk about this game for another hour, but at at the risk of droning on forever, we should probably move on to. Unless it is, do you have any further thoughts on Dark Souls? No closing closing thoughts. Uh, it's a good game. It's stressful, but uh-huh. you should probably go check it out if you haven't. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the remastered version is a very good starting place if you've never played dark souls before it is it is unlike anything else you have played i guarantee you that it is a it is a very unique experience yes so to tie in with dark souls today our top our top five countdown is going to be our top five favorite hard games hard Um, very hard difficult games so difficult okay number five of my favorite difficult games we've just finished talking about for about 35 minutes it is uh-huh. dark souls uh-huh. um it's you know it without a doubt even though it's stressful as hell and i've never beaten it i i you know i can't put aside just how what this game you know is you know, in, in, in the in the video game industry, it's a very well designed game. My favorite part about the game, really, we didn't even touch on yet, was oh. all, all the memes. <laughs> There's so many memes. 
memes. You know, so like there are how, like you can't not play this game because there's like you have to understand what people are talking about. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they make me laugh. And yeah, that's a very difficult game, but well designed. And we've already talked about it for 35 minutes. So I've played that game inside and out and I still don't understand some of the memes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, some of them are as cryptic as the story itself. I'm still not totally sure why Praise the Sun became so popular. I don't know, but like my favorite part was just going through the game and finding notes from other players that said, Praise the Sun, up ahead. And I'm like, what? I, I think that's why it became so popular is just yeah. because it's one of the uh, pre-made phrases that you can leave and it's just kind of nonsense. Yeah. So like people would just leave Praise the Sun everywhere. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, my number five favorite difficult game is, uh, 2012's Hotline Miami. Did you get a chance to play this? Oh, of course. Yeah. I love the Hotline Miami. Um, God, um, that is a hard, that is kind of a hard game. Oh, it is a very hard game. Um, I, it's, um, so to explain Hotline Miami, it's, it's sort of an action game, but whereas in Dark Souls, you go for like a very long time and the part that is stressful is the risk of dying and losing your progress. Hotline Miami is like, um, it's a top-down shooter. Um, it's a 2D top-down shooter. But it's all about like twitch reflexes. And like, you got to open a door, shoot a guy. Um, then like throw your gun across the room, hit another guy, steal his gun, punch another guy out. You have to do all these things really quickly. It's, it's more about... Um, uh, twitch reflexes and reactions being able to read the level and understand um where your opponents are what their patterns are where they're going to come from what you need to do to take out certain opponents uh that's that's hotline miami it was also when that game released in 2012 uh i had never heard video game music like the music in hotline miami i was like whoa like yeah, games can- so good I was like, game video games can sound like this? Like, whoa. Um, that music was like so revolutionary. Uh, and it's it's still a very good soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. And like uh, god god, just the audiovisual presentation. It's uh it's just um like the the way the visuals are, it's just weird and freaky and psychedelic and fits in with the story. The story is also very abstract and uh, psychedelic and just weird and out there. Uh, it's a very uh, aesthetically unique game. Very good game. Hotline Miami. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, my number four was so difficult that I I don't even really know much about it. But, oh, I, okay. but I do know that I spent hours in the game. Mm-hmm. My number four is Mist. Oh. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so let me explain to you what I did for hours playing Mist. I was a young boy. This might need some, you know, like, I was a young boy. <laughs> playing the Mist series for the first time. And I walked around and did nothing for hours. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, like, like, really, like, th- this game was uh, often seen in school classrooms or something like the teacher would have it on their on their computer in the classroom or something i don't mm. remember how i played it but this game talk about a game that you know has bits and pieces of story throughout the environment there was like random notes or books that would have you know hints at some underlying tale and uh everything was a puzzle like in order to progress in the game at all you had to figure out these super complex puzzles and you'd have to walk long distances from them but as a young kid like in you know in grade school i didn't know how to play this game but i it was very pretty and there was lots of buttons to press like switches and i would maybe once in a while i would open some door or something and i'd be like yeah i'm I'm figuring it out but i went nowhere in these games as for as many hours as i played them and as much fun as i had as a kid I did absolutely nothing in these games, um, but they were a lot of fun, <laughs> and they were really freaking difficult. So they were, they were. I I spent a ton of time. That's a really good pick. For some reason, Mist never occurred to me. I lo- I love, I, I like Mist. Uh, I think as time has gone on, um, 
I'm not sure how well that game has aged as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. I, I happen I like its sequel a lot better. Um, the sequel is probably not as popular and doesn't get talked about as much, but Riven is um, extremely well. I, I mean, it's the same sort of game as Mist, but. Uh, it's a little bit less pixel hunty than Mist is because Mist is a lot about just like clicking everywhere and seeing like, oh, yeah. I can click this. So, haha. Like, yeah, yeah. Riven has a little bit less to, of that and a little bit more of like really testing you to see if you understand um, w- what the world is about. Um, that's another game that does environmental storytelling. Um, maybe as good as or better than any other video game i've played yeah Uh, yeah. i I think that's the main reason i I played the games well i I don't know which ones i like i think i played mostly the original one but that main reason i did was because you would find these little tidbits of of you know story and and it'd be little books or manuscripts or whatever uh yeah they did a very good job at kind of environmental storytelling well i i mean too like especially in riven like you would find like a smashed lantern or something. And then there's like uh, a smashed window and you're like, okay, so like, did he throw the lantern? Something happened here. Like there was there a fight. Did he throw the lantern out the window? Like, why would he have done that? And then you, you end up having to piece together a story without, you know, any words or any, uh, any, any guidance. It's all just looking at the pictures, looking at the objects Mm -hmm. and trying to piece together what happened. A very unique gaming experience with those uh, missed games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Nice. That's a good one. Uh, my number four. Um, uh, I was I was trying to mitigate. I just I play a ton of platformers, and I really love. For some reason, I really love my platformers to be just kick my ass. I love hard platformers, so I was trying to mitigate the number of platformers I had on my list. Uh, this is the first platformer on my list. It is N plus uh, plus. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah oh god i played um the original n or i think it's sometimes known as the way of the ninja uh i played the original flash browser version of this so much in high school um uh now there are uh console versions and uh i I think there's still a standalone pc version um but it's got really good like online uh play well not online play but it's got like an online leaderboard system uh, you can play like local co-op or local like race competitive, like who can get through the obstacles as fast as possible. And I have not explained what this game is at all. It is, <laughs> um, it is a 2D, I would describe it as a physics platformer. Um, so you, you play a tiny little ninja, uh, relatively small ninja compared to the screen size. And your um, platform, you're mostly like, Okay, so there's only three buttons in the game. You can move left, you can move right, and you can jump. That's it. That's all of the buttons in the game. Uh, and it's all about um, like timing your jumps and controlling your momentum. Because if you, if you fall too far, you hit the ground and you splat and die. Uh, there's also like lots of enemies that will you know, shoot guns at you, shoot rockets at you. So you're, you're trying to evade the enemies. You're trying to outrun the guns and rockets. Well, at the same time, you're trying to pick up gold, which um, at a lower level, when you're learning the game, there is a timer that's ticking down. And if the timer hits zero, you die. So at a lower level, you're trying to grab the gold because it gives you more time on the timer. And then at a higher level, the timer basically becomes a non-factor because you get so good at the game that you can basically just rush through all of the levels. Uh, so at a higher level, the point, the gold is all about points and like high scores and like oh where am i in the leaderboard on this like i am you know whatever uh i think on the switch version which i was playing the switch uh version the day it came out or the day after it came out i got like top 100 and i was like yeah on one level which i'm sure if i log on now i'll be pushed all the way down but just because the fact uh, of the game had just launched i was very briefly in the top 100 scores for a certain level well done man you're basically famous at that point i i I am i am i'm the guy i was i am the guy who got in the top 100 uh n plus plus levels for level 173 like i'm that guy i'm famous (laughs) um okay well my number three you might mention it i'm not sure but it's in that uh 
difficult platformer genre. Uh, and it's heavily marketed as a game that will frustrate you. Mm-hmm. And it's called Super Meat Boy. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I love this game. Uh, similar to N++, kind of a, a momentum-based 2D, very simple controls. There's mm-hmm. also uh, some obstacle play. You know, there's random like saw blades running along walls and you'd have to like jump from one wall and wait for a saw blade to kind of come down as you're sliding because mm-hmm. you're neat. So you slide off slowly off the wall and jump across another wall where you have to time, you know, dodging these obstacles. Uh, but the game so much expects the, the level design is just ridiculous. Like you're going to die dozens of times just figuring out how the level's even laid out and what you can do to traverse. And the whole point of, is, of the level is just to get to a specific spot where you know you're eternally chasing your your love who's being taken away in the kind of classic Bowser Mario scene where she's taking away the Miss Super Meat Boy. I don't know what her name is. Um, bandage so, girl. Bandage girl. Yeah, yeah. She's a bandage, right? And he's yeah. I love it. Um, so yeah, very cute little art style too. But so you know you have to, the goal is to get to her in every level, and part of it is exploring it through death. Like you have to try to like you're gonna die but you're gonna figure out more about how the level is designed and eventually you you win and then they go back and replay all of your deaths at once to show you like you died 50 times but this one run through you made it all the way to the end yeah that's a really nice touch yeah i love that uh the game is very much expecting you to get frustrated and die it's like pretty obvious and and then there's also boss fights every now and then um and just great art design and stuff really cool game uh my number three uh i mentioned on a previous show very briefly it is um uh red hook studios 2016 game darkest dungeon which is a uh very difficult uh dungeon crawling strategy rpg (laughs) um another really weird mixture of game genres, but um, it requires you to manage a roster of heroes. Uh, you take your heroes into dungeons. Um, then as, as you progress through the dungeon, uh, maybe some of your heroes die or maybe some bad things happen to them. So at the end of the dungeon, yes, your heroes level up like in any other RPG, they get stronger, but they've also been through the stress and the hardships of a dungeon, and they have a little stress meter as well. So when that stress meter gets maxed out, they need time to, like, chill, unwind, relax. So you have to manage your heroes. You have to send, like, maybe you have a certain hero that really loves alcohol, so you send him to the bar to drink. Maybe you have a hero that uh, uh, really loves... um, I don't know, to pray. So you send them, like, to church, and that's how they relieve their stress. It solves the problem that a lot of RPGs have uh, that is like, why wouldn't I just always take my favorite characters, which are also my strongest characters? Why wouldn't I just use the same four or five people over and over and over again? Uh, You can't do that in Darkest Dungeon um, because it has permadeath and your characters will die, but also they get stressed out and you have to um, you have to give you have to give your people time to rest and recover from a dungeon, which means you have to send other people into the dungeon uh, uh, which may or may not be your your best people. Uh, so, and then in that dungeon, it's like typical turn based combat, but uh, all of like the positioning of your units uh, and the the turns that they execute their moves in are really important. So, there's like a puzzle solving like strategy aspect of that that you also have to think through. Uh, that's Darkest Dungeon. I haven't played that, but hearing you talk about it, I kind of want to go check it out now. It's good. It's hard. It is extremely hard and very punishing. I've, um, I'm going to say I've put probably close to 50 hours into various playthroughs of Darkest Dungeon. I've done wow. two two playthroughs on PC and one playthrough on Switch, and I've never beaten the game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that's a lot for you. A lot of games you, you will beat. Yeah, no, it's hard. That game is tough. Interesting. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Um, okay, so my number two. I enjoyed uh, very heavily, and it is kind of platformer, but also kind of a roguelike, and it is called Rogue Legacy. 
Ooh, another great one. Yes. Yeah. Love this game. First of all, it's got knights and castles. So you've, you've hooked me in already. You've got swords uh-huh. and all that. Um, the game is friggin' difficult. And again, you are expected to die a lot. However, when you die in Rogue Legacy, so, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's kind of platformy. You have to try to, like, get to different points of the castle, I think, and, and beat certain bosses in a certain order. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly mm-hmm. remember. But just getting to them, there's all sorts of, you know, obstacles and spikes and enemies that shoot projectiles and enemies that are, kill you in one hit or whatever. So you're going to die. And then it's called Rogue Legacy because you basically are creating a family tree and each like offspring that you have each each you know person in the legacy in your legacy will you know have like a random chance of spawning like a new type of skill um so like you can you'll you'll die but you're going to become stronger through death because your legacy lives on it's it's amazing like you actually kind of want to die in this game you do because when you die, you get to spend all of the gold that you accumulated from your from your last predecessor. So every time you die, you're spending your gold, you're buying new armor, you're buying new weapons, you're becoming stronger. But the other thing I love about Rogue Legacy is that all of your children, each time you die, your child has new quirks, uh, yeah. which which may may affect your gameplay. Like maybe your child. Um, uh, just is really big and strong. So maybe they can do extra damage. Maybe they're very tiny. Maybe you have a very short child, which means you're a small character. Maybe you can get into smaller places. Uh, but maybe the quirks uh, are not necessarily gameplay affecting. Maybe you have a child that is uh, colorblind. And guess what? You're playing the next level in black and white. Maybe you have a child that is dyslexic. Uh, now... Every time you read a letter or a sign, uh, the letters will be like rearranged in a way that makes the word uh, not spelled correctly. Uh, I, I really loved all those touches. Uh, very, very nice. I loved that 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 system of uh, leveling up and also having a new gameplay mechanic. Oh, sometimes a new gameplay mechanic every every time you you die. And yeah, part of, part of it was just fun, just learning what like the different quirks were and what they did. You know, some of them gave you interesting new abilities or different stats or whatever. And you, part of it was just kind of learning, oh, what, what does this character do? Um, so that's got to be one of the games I've played through, technically, the most. You know, talk about replayability. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, both Rogue Legacy and Super Meat Boy were on early drafts of my top five favorite hard <laughs> games. And I, I, I ended up cutting both of them because I decided I had too many platformers. Because my number two game is also a platformer, uh, and it edges out just barely. It's going to edge out both of these other platformers. Um, this game also had a re-release uh, this year, similar to Dark Souls. Um, that is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh my god, that was such a hard game. It is very hard. <laughs> did, oh my did you god. play the Switch version or the Wii U version? The Wii U version. Okay, so you played the yeah. So the yeah. Switch version, um, the Switch on the Switch version, they actually added the equivalent of an easy mode. So it's a Donkey Kong game. You can play as all the Kongs, Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, blah 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 blah. Every Kong, um, but they added Funky Kong, and Funky Kong has like a double jump, and he can hover, and he's got like three what? more hearts than the other Kongs, what? and he's got a surfboard so he can like stand on spikes. So That's like so cheap. Yeah, so, but the game makes it clear when you pick Funky Kong. It's like, uh, this is, like, easy mode for babies. Like, are you sure you want to play Funky Kong? Like, uh, but I, I, I did like that that option is there for, like, kids who just want to, you know, they just want to play through the game and experience it or whatever. Um, and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is not aimed at, like, young children. Uh, not the r- initial release of the game, anyway. Like, this is throwback, old-school difficulty hard this is, I would say, arguably harder than the original Donkey Kong Country games for the Super Nintendo. Of which, which are very I, hard. W- yes, of of which those are very hard. I love those games very much. I might actually like Tropical Freeze better. No. Yes, it's so good. Um, 
soundtrack is a plus um same composer is it's the same composer that uh, he was involved with all three mm-hmm. um that's david wise uh who has kind of become known for uh, his donkey kong compositions god the tropical freeze soundtrack is so good donkey kong country tropical freeze the original is on wii u the remake remaster whatever we're gonna call it is on switch it is hard and it is good Cool. I didn't realize that they re-released it for Switch. I might have to pick that up. Yep, it's good. Cool. Uh, So we are at number one, aren't we? Number one. Number one is not a platformer for me. Uh, Well, maybe. Kind of. I don't know. Uh, You might remember this game. We played a lot of it in college. Oh. And it was originally just like a Flash game. In fact, you can go to the website to, to go play it right now. All you listening out there. Go to impossiblegame.org. That's it. It's called The Impossible Game. Do you remember this game? Oh, my God. I remember this. this is yes. This game where your, your character is just a, a square. Yeah. And you don't have any control of the square except that you jump. But your jump yep. is a kind of you know pre-programmed height and time that takes to go from you know up and down. And you have to jump over spikes and you have to jump on little platform squares and anything will kill you in just i mean you have to have pixel precision to jump over a spike and land on the other side of it and god forbid if they put two spikes together side by side you have i mean you have to time your jump perfectly but you don't get to control your left and right movement you're just moving constantly to the right at a tempo dictated by this super catchy tune um you know what hold on Let's just pause the podcast. Here, here comes here comes the impossible game soundtrack. I, I feel it coming. Uh, yeah, I forgot I forgot about uh, this game a little bit. This was one of the uh, early Xbox Live Arcade uh, hits, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. It was on Xbox Live. Oh man, I, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Actually, the Xbox Live Arcade. Yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was one of the early early big hits for for the xbox live arcade yeah this is even like if you don't like games with a lot of buttons um you can play n plus plus you can play super meat boy there are literally three buttons in those games uh this is even simpler there's only one button but uh yeah this this game is this game is hard i feel that soundtrack coming it's you're gonna you're gonna cut this um amount of not talking out one second okay i can i can just splice it in 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 the editing process okay. oh yeah all right let's do that okay so we're hearing the music right now whoa through the magic of editing <laughs> it's so good this is it, wow this is the music that you moved in the game to and it's so catchy. wow it's yeah. so catchy wait, i can wait, hear wait. it like right now. right here i like this part that part right uh, yep yeah yes it's so good yeah <laughs> That is also my favorite part. Actually, right there. Oh, right that's a good one. there. That's, a good part. that's my favorite. Just the tempo and the beats and the rhythm. It's awesome. Yes, yes. Very much the tempo, beats, and rhythm. But seriously, this game was impossible. I remember, like, it, it tells you how many attempts you've made, like, in the top right. And I remember that, like, we, we played the crap out of this game for, like, several weeks. And mm-hmm. the fact that you could actually build up, like, hundreds of attempts and still want to try to get through the level in the stage was quite impeccable but the game is totally impossible i'd like to see i mean i'm sure someone out there has done it but um yeah you can play it like on your browser so check it out impossible game impossible game my number one you probably have already guessed is from software's 2011 masterpiece dark souls boom so uh I the this is this has like wormed its way into like my all time my pantheon of all time favorite games. Uh, it it did not start there. We did we had a rough we had a rocky start. Me and Dark Souls did. Uh, I told you I bounced off of this game twice. Uh, it, it it took it took a third a third attempt to play this game before I really before it just really hit me like oh. That's what this game is. I now I get it. Now I see why people love this game so much. Now I get why it's popular. The satisfaction, like Leo was saying, the satisfaction you get from what 
Okay, there is a specific moment I have from the first Dark Souls. Uh, people who have played this game before will know. It is actually not the Ornstein, Ornstein and Smog fight. I, I swear, hand to God, I swear to God, I beat Ornstein and Smog on like my third try. I was just like, okay, beat him. Like uh-huh. that wasn't that hard. I, I, I still don't, I mean, I know that they have a reputation for being just the most absurdly difficult boss fight. I promise you, I somehow beat that boss on like my third try. No, the moment for me in Dark Souls was the New Londo Ruins. So the first time, okay, when you first arrive in Dark Souls, there's so many different ways you can go. And the most obvious ones are not the correct ones. You're going to go down these places. You're going to start learning about these places. You're going to die in these places. Later on in the game, you're going to remember that these places exist. So when another NPC says, you know, uh, the catacombs or the New Londo ruins or something like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. I've been there. I died a whole lot. It's really hard. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, God, I have to go back there now? Yeah. Like, oh, man, that's so hard. The first time you go down to the New Londo ruins, you encounter uh, – there's ghosts down there. Yeah, the ghosts, those things, yeah. Oh, God. And you have absolutely no way of harming these ghosts yeah. the first time you go down there. You, none of your weapons do any damage to them. They just pass right through them. And these ghosts can wreck you. And if you fall off the path in the New Londo ruins, you die in one hit. And there is no – bonfires and there are no checkpoints there are no bonfires in the new londo ruins you have to complete the whole level including a pretty difficult boss fight in one try without ever dying um so this level i there's ghosts that you can't hit there's uh there's instant death if you fall off the path uh, there's a special item that you need to have in order to survive here in the first place. The boss fight is basically a ticking timer because as soon as you start the boss fight, I think you, like your health is being instantly sapped. So like, and you only have a limited amount of healing items, so your health is just constantly draining. And the boss is tough. It 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 seems impossible. Like there is no way you will ever beat this part. But then you do. You do it. And you, oh, you've you done the impossible. You're just on top of the tallest mountain of Dark Souls. And it just, God, it feels so good. And I want I want people who are, like, hesitant about this game or, or who have bounced off, of, bounced off this game or who have never played this game before to experience that. To be stuck on one of these bosses. And then, like, it clicks. You figure it out. You figure out the patterns. You figure out what you need to do. And then you just pull it off. Mm-hmm. It, oh, that feeling is so good. I will say uh, that there is no greater feeling. And no other game, I think, that really gets that feeling, just nails it as good as Dark Souls does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think the game still has some flaws. I don't like how obscured the critical path is sometimes. I think the game could do a little more explaining on some of the game systems but i still count this game as a masterpiece and it is in my pantheon of all-time great video games man uh this game is really great dark on souls uh, oh yeah 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 i mean once you've had some of these experiences and the way this game makes you feel like the just the triumph and joy that you feel from like conquering these <laughs> impossible situations. Yeah. You just, you feel like a God. Yeah. Like, I mean, that combined with the really innovative online mechanics combined with the really um, interesting story, unique, the, the, the interesting yeah. and obscure way it tells its story. Ah, yeah. oh, God, I, I the, the level design is so good. I, I could just say a million good things about this game. Uh, Dark Souls is good. Uh, that is that is my uh, the conclusion to my thesis. Awesome, awesome. Dark Souls is good. Nice. It's um, I don't know. It's good. It's so good. <laughs> play it. Play it. Play it. Play it. Play it. Do it. Play it. Okay. Enough about Dark Souls. Let's go to our endorsements. Let's do it. Um, you want me to go? Uh, sure. What do you got for us this week? I am going to endorse. Um. Going to your local bar and finding what night they play trivia. I am endorsing bar trivia. I'm so bad um, at bar trivia. 
Oh god. Um I think it's just I think it's really good. Like even if you're not good at it, even if you don't know a lot of trivia stuff, just it's a great date night. Like bring your significant other. Like if you if you're if you don't have a significant other, it's a great way because you're in a bar, you're talking with other people. It's a great way to meet other people. Maybe you don't even care about relationships. You're just looking for friends. Like you go there with your friends or you meet new friends. It's a great social thing, and it's also really fun. Our team we at um, we only had three people on our team last. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, last Tuesday, yesterday, we only had three people on our team and we got first place. Wow. Yeah, we beat, uh, beat everybody else in the bar, just the three of us. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like that Dark Souls experience. It was just the three of us. We were, you know, this one of the smallest tables. We were against all of the odds and we still pulled it out. Uh, it was really good. Um, yeah. So I want everyone else to experience the triumph of, winning in bar trivia <laughs> <laughs> what did you yeah. get did you get a prize yeah we got 50 bucks bar credit man wow, that's not bad yeah yeah so go down to your local bar and figure out if they play trivia uh that's what i am endorsing what about you uh i will be endorsing a show that i've been watching uh admittedly a little bit binge watching uh Ooh. it is an a hulu original series so there's not too many of those i don't think and it is called Handmaid's Tale or Handmaid's I've Tale. I've heard about that. What is that? Uh, it's a little bit fucked up. Okay. It's super good. Uh, we watched the first episode and we, me and Taryn, and we didn't want to see it, the rest of it for like months. We we're like, this show is freaking weird, right? But then um, I saw something online. Someone posted a quote from it or something. Um, and I was like, oh really that's from that okay let me give it a few more episodes so it's one of those things where like your first episode maybe the second episode you're like uncertain about it but then it really digs in the premise is and this is an interesting premise that has done been done before in a movie called children of men which is one of my favorite movies from like early 2000s um the concept is that in the future fertility is on the decline or basically almost entirely gone so in this setting uh, in handmaiden's tale there's countries like this um, um that basically for years have not had a healthy child born you know um but there are a few um fertile women i guess that are still around and there's this kind of bad organizational government thing that has actually taken over the u.s of america and has kind of reduced everything into this oldie old-timey almost like quaker um religious uh world where like they don't use a lot of technology they use like old school um they still have cars and stuff but like they just they're very old-timey like their clothes is like all like hand-sewn and you know, the, the, the inside the house, the homes, I don't think they have like TVs or anything. Um, and then like once a month, these fertile women are like, they're kept in like the attic and they're like called the handmaids and they have to like do it with the head of the household. Who's a dude. Mm-hmm. So that because they're fertile, they're like the only ones in the world that are, the idea is that they can still, you know, progress the human race through these women but it's like they're being forced to do it these are not women who are who are volunteering to you know have sex with strangers like so it's kind of weird it's kind of messed up yeah that does sound pretty fucked up it is it is really weird but there's this you know obviously it's kind of a story of um you know surviving kind of and and it's trying to escape the situation and you know, stuff happens and it gets really cool. So, um, yeah, it's got a lot of, you know, great reviews out there. So don't take my word for it. Check it out, do your research. But um, it's definitely not one for the faint hearted, but it is a very interesting show. And it is on season two now, I think, is, is actually happening right now. So, ooh. Uh, but you can watch all of season one and season two on Hulu. Okay. A Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Very Hope nice. All right. Um, so our next show uh, might be a day or two behind normal. I, I, I guess we haven't really 
established a regular posting schedule, but we are planning to do a E3 recap show for our next episode. Yeah. Uh, so at some point after E3, uh, check our our feed for the next episode. We're going to be talking about all the stuff that happened at E3 and um, our favorite announcements and our, our, our top five games that we are most excited for that are coming soon, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, that'll be our next episode. So until then, I have been James for the Good Games podcast. And I'm Leo. Uh, and we will see you next time. See ya. Music. Yeah, I like this part too. Yeah, music. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every time we talk about Dark Souls, I tend to get into a rant about how good it is. Like a Dark Souls, like, you know, some sort of, uh, what's the church people? Uh, priest? Uh, saint? I'm a Dark Souls evangelist. Evangelist, yeah. yes, you're a Dark Souls yeah. evangelist. Yeah, play Dark Souls. Play. Dar- Have you heard the news? Dark Souls is good. You should play Dark Souls. Excuse me, sir. Have you heard about our 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 Lord uh, Solaire? Uh, praise the sun. <laughs>